Hello, and welcome to Today in STEM. I'm Wes Sumner. As we explore the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and how it makes our lives better each and every day. This special guest on today's program is Dr. Brian Kish. He's an associate professor at Florida Institute of Technology. He's also aerospace engineering faculty and program chair of flight test engineering at Florida Tech. Welcome, Dr. Kish. Great to be here. You have an area of expertise that is very much in the headlines today, and that's this concept of autonomous drones and how they can make our lives better. What is an autonomous drone? So first of all, there's, there's different levels of autonomy. And when we think of airplanes and autopilots, some airplanes can basically hold the altitude and that's all they can do. Other ones can fly a three-dimensional trajectory all the way to a full-stop landing. So there's different levels of autonomy. And then when we think of fully autonomous, sometimes that's often thought, well, that means the drone's making all its own decisions. And that's not quite it. A lot of times they'll use fully autonomous to describe something that a human still programs the trajectory and monitors the drone. But where we're headed is, let's let the drone or the robot make the decision. And that gets tricky especially when human life is at stake, right? You could Mm -hmm. have a drone flying and then something goes wrong, there's going to be an imminent crash. And so the drone now has to make the decision, do I save the occupants of the vehicle or do I save the the innocent pedestrians on the street? And, And so having a robot make that decision or a drone sometimes challenges the human, do we really want the robots to make those decisions? And in your professional opinion, I mean, really, how close are we? In the, in the sci-fi movies, it's being done. We're not quite there yet, though, are we? We're not. And, like, we have a drone, uh, the Trinity F9, and literally with a laptop, you can put in all the, the points on a map and the altitudes, and it will fly to almost to perfection, that trajectory. But this idea that it would, it would leave a program trajectory and make a decision to, to fly a different trajectory based on its own intelligence, you know, we're not quite there yet. There's a lot of hype. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of dilemma and, and, you know, moral, do you let the robot make that decision or not? So some ethical components to the, to the work being yes, done. Yes, exactly. Talk to us, if you will, about why these drones are so important to businesses like Amazon and others. So before you want to replace a human with a robot or drone, and, and this happens throughout history in, in manufacturing, you know, humans are really good at some things, and then they're limited in others. And when we think of airplanes or air vehicles, right, if you have a human on board, well, then you have to have oxygen. If the human's on board and you want to pull G-force, well, the humans tend to pass out above a certain G-force. And then if there's long durations, the human, you know, keeping them engaged, there's fatigue, and at some point they'll have to have food, water, and, and a restroom, you know, if you're up there for eight hours. And that's where... A business can look at a drone or a robot and say, well, they'll work repetitive tasks all day long with no breaks, no food, no no requirements. And so you can kind of see the incentive for businesses to try to go to robotics or to drones uh, rather than humans. The other thing is, obviously, you know, on a production line, if a human is injured on the job, uh, you know, something catches fire, the human can die. And so a company has a lot of liability with a human. If they can replace that human with a robot, then there's no injury or, or liability. And being used uh, by some big groups like Amazon in certain markets uh, to, to, I guess, still being tested, right? The yeah. drone delivery, but not widespread yet. Do, do you think we're close? So I think, and we think of... Uh, flying cars and, and urban air mobility and those air taxis, it kind of 
it, it lends itself from that Amazon drone model, right? We say, all right, we can have a quadcopter pick up, say, a 10-pound package and deliver it, and it flies a trajectory perfect. And so then we grow it to a, a 20-pound, and then pretty soon a 50-pound and a 100-pound. And eventually, at 200 pounds, someone says, well, can the package be a human, mm. right? And so right. now, and, and you kind of see this where it naturally grew into this, well, now we can have the Jetsons flying car. And so go to, to go back to your question, yes, Amazon has, you know, viable solutions to start delivering packages. And now they're just kind of refining it. They're, mm-hmm. they're making sure they're reliable. And then they're also testing out the public acceptance of it. You know, if, if you're in your yard throwing, you know, a baseball with your son and all of a sudden, you know, every every five minutes something's buzzing overhead to your mm-hmm. neighbor, you know, how, how does the society and humans really want that as part of the, the normal sky in their backyard? Well, let's change gears and talk to uh, another topic that you have some expertise in and actually have made some headlines uh, with uh, in recent times, and that's electric airplanes. Tell us about your work with electric airplanes and and what that has meant at Florida Tech. So we've uh, just basically bought a Pipistrol Velus Electro. So it's the first certified all-electric airplane. It was certified in Europe. And so right now the FAA in America hasn't recognized that, but it's it's a certified airplane. Um, it's a two-seat airplane. Light sport is what kind of the, the category or the class that it's in. And uh, it can fly for 50 minutes on a battery charge, but the FAA wants us to have 30 minutes reserve. So we've been flying it for, for 20 minutes. Um, we were able to purchase that airplane through a grant from the Bueller Foundation. So that was nice. And we got the airplane in, in August. Um, we've flown it about 20 times. It's pretty neat. It's, it gets a lot of attention. The, the FAA themselves has already awarded us an $85,000 grant to give them basically the first data from, from the first 50 hours of flight. Now, we're flying 20 minutes. It's going to take a, you know 150 flights to get that mm-hmm. over the next year, but, but we're going to fly it, and we've already had uh, eight students have gotten to fly in the airplane. I think that's important. You know, and anything we do at Florida Tech is it's got to be really anything you bring here has to be centered around the student experience. And, and so we've quickly, um, you know, we flew the first few flights with just faculty. And, and Dr. Isaac Silver is our pilot. He's Florida Tech alum, you know, former faculty. So well-experienced pilot with flew hundreds of different airplanes, 18,000 flight hours. So he's, he's a really experienced pilot. And we're learning a ton. Even in, in just 20 flights, it's amazing of how much we've learned. And and I, as a researcher, didn't necessarily appreciate the nuances of electric propulsion and batteries and battery management systems. So, for example, liquid cooling, you think, okay, here's an electric airplane. It's got a motor. It's got a battery. But it has liquid cooling. Well, why is that? And it turns out that battery temperature, keeping the temperatures within you know, certain you know, max and minimum temperature, is critical to the life of the battery. For example, if you leave your phone outside on the sidewalk and the sun's on it, it, it'll heat up and shut itself down. So that's the same thing. The batteries need to be cooled, even during the charge process. And that was enlightening to me. We, we plugged in the charger, and all of a sudden, the cooling system and, and the radiator kick on during the charge process. So that's, that's something we've learned. The other thing we learned is just for flying 20 minutes, it takes an hour and 30 minutes to recharge the battery back up. And that's even running, you know, 240 volts and 50 amps. If we plugged in a normal wall outlet, it would take three to four hours. And so that's something to get used to in the operations where before, if we had an airplane, we stopped, we'd, you know, fill up gallons of gas in five minutes and be back flying. Now we have to basically budget an hour and a half between flights, you know, just to recharge the battery. And 
And we see that with electric cars as well, that, that you have to kind of now more planning, you know, to, to basically to do your journey. On the front side. Yep. Well, well we've discussed some very innovative topics. I, I'm curious what you see as the future of aviation. Now, that's a very big question. But in terms of the most innovative areas as they intersect with your areas of expertise, what, what's next? I do think electric propulsion is going to grow. I mean, I, I look at the airplane we have, and it, I, I like to compare it to the Nissan Leaf, right? So that came first car, didn't have the range, but then you got the Teslas and more range, and, and the networks grew. So this is the start. Now, electric propulsion is not going to do everything for everyone. Like we don't have the, the network of recharging stations yet, and right now we're, we're flying a two-passenger airplane. So to get the airplane to fly, say, 12 or 20 passengers. It, I think we'll, we'll see that in the next few years, potentially in a regional sense, like you'll be able to fly from here to say Atlanta in a small airplane with maybe a dozen passengers. I don't see electric propulsion being able to fly across the ocean or from New York to LA. I do see, you know, some alternatives and, and alternate fuels, but in the end, those are going to do marginal improvements. You're still going to have, you know, carbon footprints from jet engines. But I think, I think, you know, the, the people will accept that for long, long leg journeys, and they'll be encouraged if they can get electric propulsion, at least in the shorter commutes. So I see, I see that happening. An exciting future with a, a great many positive twists and turns and things to work through as we get there. I want to thank you for your time. It's been Dr. Brian Kish with us, Associate Professor at Florida Institute of Technology, Aerospace Engineering Faculty and Program Chair of Flight Test Engineering. Thank you for being here, Dr. Kish. Thank you. That's going to do it for this edition of Today in STEM. Until next time, I'm Wes Sumner. Today in STEM is brought to you by the Florida Institute of Technology and WFIT. More information available at WFIT.org.